2: Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: Hello, my name is Tim McMillan. Welcome to another episode of Inspiring Stories brought to you by Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Uh, When it comes to footballing CVs, there are few who could match our next guest. Uh, He is a graduate of Corpus Christi College here in Perth in Bateman. Uh, As a youngster, was a promising middle distance runner before pouring his attention into his footy. He was then drafted from East Fremantle as a teenager uh, and went on to win three AFL premierships with the Brisbane Lions. He is a three-time All-Australian, a three-time club champion, a Norm Smith medalist, a 300-gamer. He's in the AFL Hall of Fame as well, and the list goes on and on. As I mentioned, hard to find anyone with a more impressive footballing pedigree than my next guest. Since hanging up the boots, uh, he's been a successful coach at the Brisbane Lions. He's also even had a crack at reality TV, among other things. So uh, plenty to get through in the next hour or so. Let's say hello and welcome to Simon Black. Hello, Simon. How are you?
1: G'day, Tim. Yeah, nice to be with you. I'm, I'm very well, thank you.
0: Now, we've lost you to, uh, to Queensland for a long time now. Uh, can we still call you a West Australian?
1: <laughs> yes, you certainly can, mate. I've, I've always... Um, very much regard myself as a sand grouper, um, although I was born in Mount Isle. I think I left Queensland when I was about uh, twelve months old. So um, certainly my, well, my baby years and my formative years were, were there in Perth. And so I'm a proud West Aussie. I just wish I had, had the opportunity to play for WA, um, we state state of origin. But I think I was about ten years too um, born too late. But mm. um, yeah, I'm certainly a, a proud West Aussie.
0: Are we ever going to lure you back here, Simon?
1: Oh, this is the – so married Brisbane girl. This is my trouble, Tim. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, – Understand, say no more.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, look, it's um, – they're pretty similar, Perth and, and Brisbane, in some respects. I mean, a bit further to get to a nice ocean in, in Brisbane than it is to – in perth but um yeah look at this point in time i've flirted with the idea and uh, i keep getting blocked at the moment so i'll keep i'll keep chipping away over
0: time yeah <laughs> well, let's go back to you uh your early days here then i mean yeah obviously you, you wouldn't remember um the family upping sticks in mount isa and moving over to the west but i'm sure you've heard uh, the the stories why what what brought the family from rural queensland over to the other side of the country
1: yeah, well, my mum was uh, West Australian. She's from Perth, from Fremantle away. and my dad was a Kiwi. Um, yep. And so I, I guess um, my dad left New Zealand when he was about 18 or 19 and and uh, met mum in Perth and they got married. And so I guess they, they did a lot of traveling, but yeah, they certainly did some traveling around Australia and um, up the East Coast. And um, yeah, I was obviously, uh, mum was pregnant with me and they were, they were traveling um, through Mount Isa and spent, I guess they might have spent 18 months or two years in Mount Isa and and I was, uh, yeah, born in Mount Eisner, and they—I think it's just another twelve months thereafter that they mm. left and decided to come back to WA and, and mum being from Perth. I think they were always going to end up in in Perth, and um, yeah. So I think Dad had a like a fruit juice run, Good Elf fruit juice, which was like a franchise in um. In, in, I think I think back in that era in the late seventies, and and but they lo- actually loved Mount Isa. it was a really of all big places to end community. up in. Um, Greg Norman was born there. And yeah. Yeah, Pat Rafter was born there, and um but they said, yeah, they really enjoyed it. So, but yeah, look, uh, moving back to Perth and growing up in in, in Perth was a was a, uh, a yeah great place to to grow up, and, and feeling fortunate to have been raised in an AFL Aussie Rules city. Um, yeah, not sure I might have played at Aussie Rules if, if I'd grown up in Queensland.
0: Probably not. Certainly not in in Mount Isa. Uh, you might have played tennis <laughs> or golf instead, though. Having uh, you know heard the names that you've just uh, dropped, then as being the famous uh, sons of of Mount Isa. I'm sure they'll add you to the list uh, quite happily as well, uh, Simon. But uh, tell us about your early memories, um, you know, growing up in Perth, playing footy, loving the game, you know, the players that you love to watch, the club you supported. What are some of those early strong memories you have of, of footy here in Perth?
1: Yeah. I, I actually played rugby before I played Aussie rules because dad's background down at Palmyra. Um, but I went to Yudara Catholic college there in Bateman and, uh, and all my mates at school were obviously right under Aussie rules. And I just remember us at, at lunchtime, just playing whether it was kick to kick the old Hank, trying to take hangers on each other mm. or, um, or three, three versus three on the oval and, and just running around, just loving, you know, loving kicking the ball and chasing the footy around with your mates and grew for real passion for the game. I went down at um, Bull Creek Lehman and played at that junior club um, from the age of nine. Cause my brother, i got a brother Ben who's two years older and, he was playing Mum and Dad always said I always used to love carrying a ball around wherever I went and it was probably any any ball really. I played a lot of basketball and um did a lot of different sports uh growing up and um and but yeah, Aussie Rules just always had a, a really strong place in my heart. It was just mm-hmm. something about the game of the, the athletic side of it, being able to run and the skill element and then the physical nature of it as well. I just always it just always um yeah, I just had a Burning desire. I slept with the footy and I was one of those sort of nothing yeah, kids.
0: <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Um, and just, yeah, grew up loving it. But uh, yeah.
0: Did, you, did you, your Kiwi rugby loving dad have any problem with you uh, gravitating more towards footy?
1: <laughs> well, he, he grew to love the game too. He was probably yeah. a little bit, he never played Aussie Rules when he came to, to Perth um, as probably a 19 year old. Um, I think he might have played a bit of down in Palmyra, a bit of rugby, but. Um, yeah, but he, he, I always sort of said he, I wish he'd grown up in Australia because he, he, we'd go down the park and he'd be in his mid, mid 50s and he would dead say kick the ball, but the footy better than I would. So he was <laughs> um, a natural kick of the ball and, um, but uh, he never played. So, um, but so, yeah, we, we, we certainly used to love watching the Wallabies play and, and yeah. I still keep an interest on, in rugby these days as well.
0: Yeah. Tell me through your uh, teenage years, I know you were um, a student at Corpus Christi, uh, you showed some, some great promises an 800 and 1,500-metre and uh, runner as well. Um, was it ever a, a case of kind of devoting your time to one or the other? Because as I understand it, you, you know, you, you're pretty darn good uh, at those distances particularly.
1: Oh, no, Tim, I wasn't that good, mate. To be honest, I mean, I think, <laughs> um, I think, yeah. I Look, I would have been, I was competitive, to, I guess, and I went to the national carnival in the teenage years a couple of times. But yeah, I, I, there's no way I would have um, made the Australian team and, 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 you know, made the Commonwealth Games or anything like that. For instance, I don't think I was, I was in that league. But um, it was fantastic for my footy development. Um, yeah. You know, obviously, Aussie rules is such a running game, and being able to. Push yourself on the athletics track certainly um, uh, lends itself to helping you out in the footy field. Mm. Um, So, uh, yeah, it was great. If you ask most footballers, I think you say, when when do they get most nervous? It's probably when they're lining up for, you know, a two- or a 3K time trial against their mates in (laughs) pre-season. And and that's essentially what middle-distance running is, isn't it? it Yeah, absolutely. um, It was great. I used to get really really nervous pre-game, you know, playing footy. So I think that experience helped me a lot. my, yeah. my little athletics days
0: yeah um from school then uh, you were picked up uh, in the in the fold there for east fremantle um tell me about your your, your time there obviously uh, it was from there onto the brisbane line so some some formative years there uh, at the sharks what are your, your strong memories of that time
1: yeah Tim, i was just so fortunate to be part of a great um great waffle club in that time and we had had a really good development program at east fremantle um back then and um you know, we had a lot of guys get drafted in that sort of two or three year period that that I went through. Um, you know, Tack and Lockie is the Cowboys. Phil Reed, for um, I've forgotten. Benny Cousins was a few years before us, um, and there's a few that've slipped my mind right now. Um, but yeah, it was a great. Just a, had a great feel about about the club at that time, and the senior side was strong. Um, the year '97 that I got drafted, the the league team lost to um, the Bulldogs in a in a derby and the grand final. Which is a, it was, a it was a massive, it was a great, great <laughs> final, I must say. But the Bulldogs got a hold of us. Um, but yeah, look, I only mean, played two league league games off the bench. I was very, very skinny. Um, played a lot of Colts and and reserves down there. Um, and as I said, quite a mature, quite a fair few Victorians darks in that era. And Tony McCullough was a senior coach who's a great. He's uh, got a great standing in West Australian as a as a coach, as you know, I'm sure. and, he was a fantastic uh, leader and mentor of, of, of the whole footy club and it just had a really professional feel around it and I think they got their act together with a, a really good development program and I remember Andrew Lockyer and I think Paul Harding um, were a part of that back then as well. And, uh, yeah, it was, just, it was just great memories, great, great environment, great culture. Yeah. And, um, I guess I was one of those guys that um, – so I, I didn't play sport for about 12 months when I was, oh, I guess, 16 um, – I had Scheumann's disease in my spine, and it's I guess where it's sort of where you, a couple of your vertebrae don't form um, correctly, and I was in, I was in a lot of pain, um, and uh, and I had to probably fifteen I was fifteen sort of slash sixteen yeah, and, and had to sort of step away from sport for for twelve months, and that was really I guess frustrating time. I wanted to play for, have a crack at playing for WA in the 16th National Carnival, and couldn't do that, and then um, and then I guess here yeah, when I got healthy again with my back, I had a little bit of time to. Play a bit of Colts and reserves, and and then I was lucky to get um, to play for WA in that under 18s um, competition in the National Carnival in 1997. Yeah. But uh, yeah, up until that point, I I really didn't think I was going to get drafted. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but. yeah, it was an interesting,
0: interesting period. Um, we'll talk about you uh, getting picked up uh, in the draft. I think as you, re- you know, we reflect over the years, um, those standout draft picks, you were number 31. Um, you know, Everyone has high hopes of uh, the, the top five, maybe has less hope of, of, a, of a pick number 31, but you're sort of one of those stories where pick number 31 maybe turned out to be the pick of the year. So uh, we'll get into that uh, right after we take a break. Simon Black is our special guest. This is Inspiring Stories, back with more in a moment.
2: You're listening to inspiring stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: Welcome back to inspiring stories. We are hearing the story of AFL champion Simon Black. Uh, Simon, uh, just before the break, we were talking about uh, you know your days at uh, at East Fremantle. Um, You find yourself as number 31 uh, in the draft. Uh, Back, uh, we're talking, what, 1997? Um, Pick number 31, Brisbane Lions. Yeah. There you are. You're off to Brisbane. Is it as simple as that? Talk us through that day. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's, it's pretty mixed emotions I, I think I was I was pretty well looked after at home Tim I didn't want to leave my mistake <laughs> mistake um, and I've, I've said it lots of times I was, I was an Eagles fan but I was also you know a Fremantle fan as well and would have loved to have played for either of those clubs um, I'm sure they would have loved uh, to have had you too <laughs> <laughs> uh, Well, I guess in that era the, the whole speed um, you know turning an athlete into a footballer or that you know that I guess philosophy was pretty pretty prevalent and um um i like to think i was an athlete but just wasn't a quick one <laughs> <laughs> so um yes speed was paramount for recruiters back then so so yeah I, I remember west coast saying that if unless you're there late in the draft um you know we, we probably won't consider you. but um I, I probably thought hawthorne was probably the most keen but you don't really know you know when you're that yep. far down the list in the order of i, I didn't know if i was going to go in the 20s or in the 70s and it was Brisbane at 31 and I'd spoken to a few clubs in the lead up like I guess a lot of young players do and, um, and as I said, I probably thought Hawthorne were probably the, the keenest. But
0: And then Brisbane calling, you know, about, you know when you oh, well, maybe had a hunch towards Hawthorne, what were the emotions like?
1: Yeah, it was just it was a bit of a blindside, a bit of a left-field one actually. Um, funny, I, had a, I had a local um, uh, West Australian newspaper photographer in our land room and he took this photo. Right at the moment that my name got caught out, and there's this picture of me, my 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 hand in my on my head, (laughs) looking looking shattered. (laughs) And when I arrived at the Lions, the boys had put it up on the corkboard, and I went around meeting everyone. They're like, "Oh yeah, you're the guy." That's obviously real thrilled to be here, aren't (laughs) they? Very funny. It took me a while to warm up in Brisbane, but uh, but yeah, no look, it's it's a lot. It's a lot of hard work that goes into to getting drafted, and. Um, for me, I really didn't think I'd have much of a, a long career. I, I just sort of set myself once I arrived to, to really try to work hard and um, and 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 not not really not have regrets. For me, it was around not having regrets. So I didn't sort of work hard enough and didn't give myself my best chance of, of playing some regular senior footy. So um, I spent a bit, spent a fair bit of time just um, I guess tagging and following around Michael Voss um, and, and Craig Lambert were probably the two who um, I, I really just wanted to learn for as, as much. From as I could, and mm. um, bossy was great with me just over the pre season, over a couple of pre seasons, really just at the end of training, we'd do some contested ball work. and I'm not sure to this day I ever beat him in a one on one contest, <laughs> mate, but <laughs> but he was very, very accommodating with his time. And um, and I guess I learned to use my my 78 kilos to the best <laughs> of ability at the time, I guess, yeah.
0: Well, you mentioned before the, um, the the difficulties and the challenges with your your spinal condition. I mean, I suppose you were you were never uh, the bulkiest uh, footballer on the on the field. Did you find it hard to, I suppose, get your physique into a, a a place where you could handle just the week in week out demands of AFL footy and the you know and the and the contact, especially when you're burrowing yourself in and under packs as you did. Did you find it hard to yeah, put on was, weight and, was, and keep was, it on?
1: I did, Tim, yeah, very much so. One of those, yeah, lightweight body types. So um, it was a real effort to, to put on, you know, three or four kilos, let alone, you know, eight or ten. Um, it took a lot of time, a lot of um, a lot of work with the nutritionists and those sorts of things. So, but you learn, learn little tricks, you know, like little – I remember just being really diligent about having a protein shake before bed at night and, and every, every single night just doing that, just a little thing and just getting really diligent around my snacks throughout the day, around while I'm training and – um, and, and so nutrition is all important. I think they say, you know, putting on muscle mass, it's almost eighty percent nutrition and twenty percent the actual weights you lift in the gym. Which which sort of resonated with me. I was like, wow, that really that really is a is a critical sort of stat, I guess. So, um, but I remember just when I arrived in Brisbane, just loving the professional environment, and it really stirred on my I guess my competitiveness, and really just I loved it um, mm. and being able to just. Commit yourself to being the best athlete you could be and the best footy player was something that I just felt an absolute privilege to be able to do, and um, jumped into it. And our first year night, my first year, ninety eight. I when I got drafted, I remember turning up at the footy, flying over with Bay McDonald, who was also a, a Perth boy that got drafted, a big ruckman, and Bowie and I, um, yeah, flew over together. And um, I remember, his mum was on the plane too, and she said, to, she said to him, she goes, Bowie, if." You, if if you don't like it, it's all right. We'll just come back in a couple of weeks. <laughs> I was like, I sure it really works that way, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, he, he, he just did into do it too, and he did really well. But um, yeah, you know, I forget where I was going there, mate. But um, no, we're great. just well, talking about. So the I first, suppose you the first you had a lot of injuries to the yeah. senior players and
0: you got some opportunities there.
1: Yeah, sorry, a lot of yeah got some opportunity probably before I was, I was ready. Um, to, to play and I used to play nine games in my first year and that was purely just because I had so many injuries to the senior players and our, our, our coach John Norley got sacked unfortunately about round nine or ten rounds in. Um, so it was a really interrupted year and, um, and then obviously uh, Lee, Lee Matthews came into that year and, and things turned around pretty quickly.
0: Mm. When did you start to form that um, amazing partnership with your other midfield connections? There, I mean, you were collectively known as uh, the Fab Four yourself, Michael Voss. Uh, Nigel Lapp and Jason Akemanis I mean what a midfield quartet when did that start to really gel and lay the foundations for what was just an incredible period for the Lions
1: Yeah Tim I think I got my opportunity in 99 my second year as an inside midfielder and that was something I really wanted to, to try to, to do and not, Craig Lambert was the, I guess the, the player that was coming towards the back end of his career so there was a position that was likely to come up and um, and I, I mean I was just in awe of Michael Voss um, you know, the player he was and the impact he could have on the game and the contest, and to be able to play alongside him was an absolute treat, and absolute thrill, and um, and so that was yeah probably my first opportunity. And I played a fair bit of um, midfield in my second year um, with Nigel and Bossy and, and Acker as well. So um, and and over time, it probably I best describe it as almost feeling like like brothers in the backyard playing together, um, where you know you just sort of knew where you're going to be. And I think we had a really nice mix of ball winning someone putting their head over the ball the ball winning aspect and then you know the outside speed whether it was Acker or bossy sorry Acker or nigel on the outside and bossy could probably do both and i was only probably really good at just trying to get it and handle it to <laughs> but, um we just we just had a nice little combination going and uh yeah it was it was, a, it was obviously a real privilege to be able to part, be yeah. part of that group
0: uh, different skills and different personalities uh, as well i suppose the um you might say the strongest personality in there, the most willful one, maybe, uh, is is Acker. How did you guys gel? Uh, you know, outside of the the footy field, um, you know, was part of the chemistry that you had on the field because you all hung out and and did things together off field as well.
1: Yeah, we certainly did. And I, I guess um, first thing I'll say about Acker is he's probably the greatest um, promoter at, of Aussie Rules footy in Queensland and a non AFL state and, and city in Brisbane and. He did that incredibly well. Um, he obviously certainly loved the, loved the camera and loved, loved the microphone, <laughs> but he, he did oh, it yeah. enormous for us, uh, uh, for our game up here. So um, I think once he won the brand low, he, he, he thought he was, there was no rules. He could do whatever he wanted. But um, but no, look, I, I get on fine with that. Even today, he's, he's good fun. Um, yeah. But it was for us as a playing group, to be, to be transparent and honest, it was just really some of the, um, you know, I guess within a footy team, there's some intimate... Information you don't really want released, and um, I guess, ie, the, the broken ribs that Nigel Lappin had going into the two thousand three grand final, not ideal. Him, I could tell in the footy world that he's got broken ribs. So that, those <laughs> sort of things were the, <laughs> the only real things that uh, uh, annoy us, you could say. But no, nah, look, he was—he's was, oh, he's such a talented footballer. I'm not sure we've ever seen a player that could kick so well on both his left and right foot. And yeah. So- um naturally gifted yeah, super talent wasn't
0: he having said that um you know some people said the same about you as well that you had just this almost freakish hand-eye coordination you were able to see things just a split second uh before others and just your your precision under pressure um was something that that sort of set you apart from your peers um you know please don't be humble in answering this but i mean how to how to compliments like that sit with you
1: Oh, yeah, thanks. It's nice Yeah, nice to obviously hear that sort of thing. Um, I guess I would answer it by saying I think um, I played an enormous amount of um, games as a kid, um, an enormous amount of basketball. And um, I'd always say basketball, I think, is the the greatest game for transferable skill-wise for our game and um, congested and lots of bodies around and things. And um, and then just just always had a lot of mates that wanted to play, like I said, was three-on-three or... Little handball games or whatever, and yeah, I just feel that was really great for my development as a kid, um, and 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 not, I guess it, it transferred for me not having great leg speed that I had to get rid of the ball pretty quickly, and um, and that sort of made me have to be aware of who my surroundings and who was around me, and and I just loved it. Like I, you know, I often said it was as much enjoyment setting a goal up or putting someone into space to do something really good with the ball that was kicking a goal. Um, Myself, I really enjoyed the creativity part of the game and trying to help us get into a really dangerous position or um, or hit Mm. the scoreboard. So that was a real part I took a lot of pride in.
0: Hey, Simon, we need to take a quick break, but after that we'll get into your triple premiership feats, your Brownlow, your Norm Smith. Uh, Your club, Bess and Ferris, all of those uh, accolades that you managed to acquire throughout your uh, stellar career. So uh, we'll get into that right after we take a break. This is Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. We'll be back with more soon.
2: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Tim McMillan is my name. My special guest is AFL Hall of Famer Simon Black, and there's a story around uh, the timing of his uh, welcoming into the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, it involves a reality TV show appearance, but we'll get into that uh, in a little bit. We've got plenty more uh, football accomplishments to get through uh, before we get to uh, to more recent times. Uh, Simon... Three premierships that you won—it's—it's it's an incredible achievement to win one, but, but three, and, and I think people forget too that you guys even played in in a fourth. So you you know you come close to winning four, which is just unheard of. Um, but those three premierships—talk um, us through them. You know, how do you remember them? How how do you remember them differently? Obviously, you won a Norm Smith in one, but in terms of your your memories of each one, was the first one the most special for you? How do you see them?
1: Yeah, they are. I guess I'd firstly say it's um, you know it takes years. I, I always say to to win a premiership, it's the relationships on and off the field that you've got to form. Um, and I think any any premiership side would would probably would say that that'd be the be the message. Um, mm-hmm. And for for the Brisbane Lions, we we had about seventy five, eighty percent of our playing list was from interstate, uh, and so you spent a lot of time together because a lot of the guys didn't really have too many big friendship groups outside the footy club, particularly the first few years they arrived. So we were, we were a really tight-knit group. And I think that was an advantage for us. Um, having Lee Matthews as our coach was obviously a fairly yeah. uh, enormously significant um, um, position that we had as a side, and he gave us great belief. Um, so to get there in 01 and, um, and come up against and the reigning premiers, um, They'd obviously obviously won it the year before. They'd been through a powerhouse side at the time. Um, we came in at halftime against them, down by a couple of goals, but we had a real belief about us. And at halftime, and we came out in that third quarter and uh, and had a yeah, I think it might have been a, maybe a six goal quarter. And it was a it was just a a really it's uh, a your question, that's probably yeah the most special because it's the first and yeah. Um, the most exhilarating and um, I just remember looking around and just just saying, oh, we've, you know, we did it, we did it, we've done it and, and just disbelief, it was just complete euphoria. Mm. Um, and it is because it does, it takes several years, only three years earlier, we'd, we'd lost to, we came last, won the wooden spoon and um, and, and things turned around from there. But, um, yeah, it was a remarkable first one and then all of a sudden, no, too, we too, we were the red-hot favourites going into the game and um, Lee used to always say to us, he said, boys, you know, all you've done on grand final day is qualify. He said, well, it's all you've done. You, you always have his, his pyramid at the start of each season. And you know, X amount of games gets you in the top eight. And X amount of gets the top four. And you get to the prelim and all so, this sort of thing. And, um, but I guess, yeah, in know, 2 playing Collingwood, day they, um, they it was a really wet damp day in '02, And it was a really tight, contested game. Um, like I says, they all are. But it being wet and slippery, it made it even more. A harder contest um, mm. one, one by nine points only just got over the line that goal that aka aka kicked late in the game to secure it for us was um was amazing and that was a sense of relief you hear a lot of the guys in the team say because we were the red hot favorites going into the game and, and getting really pushed hard by the pies made it um yeah it was uh was more relief i guess and um to be back-to-back premiers was pretty cool and um I guess you don't remember too many speeches from your coaches over the years, but there was one in '03. It was our preliminary final. Um, then we played Sydney SC. That's Olympic Park, um, and it was it was three-quarter time, and the first half we, we we went pretty well, and but the third quarter, the Swans just ran all over us, and and looked like they were just going to run away with the game, and um, they might have been up by just a little bit or or something. It was really tight, um, but at least Sydney got us all in, goes boys. He said he's always talking about the man in the back of the stand and what the man in the back of the stand has seen. And he said, "I'll tell you, boys, you look like you shot the dead ducks out there." He said, "They've got far more, far more run, far more energy. They're tougher the ball." Um, he said, "You know, the bloke in the back of the stand says you guys are done." He said, "But make no mistake," he said, "you guys right here as we stand here today, you, you're back-to-back premiers still." And he said, "You still are." He said, "You've got thirty minutes to give yourself an opportunity." to go and do what hasn't been done in this competition for a long, long time, and that's go down and win three in a row next week. So you can find a way to drag yourselves off the canvas and find a way to dig deep, and everyone needs to do their little bit, no more, no less. You give yourself a shot of history, and it was one of those, even mm. now, just me goosebumps talking mm. about, because I remember, it feels like yesterday it, it happened, and um, it was a really incredible special. Last quarter we had, a few guys had some big quarters, Martin Pike, Ash McGrath, I think Jamie Charman, and, and we managed to get over the line, and yeah, and give ourselves a crack at that third, which was again Collingwood, um, but this time they were the favourites going into the grand final because they'd beaten us the first week of the finals. And um, um, yeah, for whatever reason, they, they did have a really off day, and, and it was it was by far, I guess, our most comfortable um, winning margin out of, out of the three. Um, and you had a pretty good was, day uh, that
0: day too, right? <laughs> you yeah, know, three it was, it was Norms a with a little thirty nine possessions uh, <laughs> next to your name. Uh, was that looking yeah. back? Was that was was that the individual performance of your lifetime?
1: Uh, I think probably considering the the, the the game, the stage it was on, it probably would have to be. I'm not sure it was my my best game, but it was yeah because of the the moment. Um, I think no doubt, yeah, it was probably my best game um, or my most significant game, I guess. Um, but yeah, it was just one of those days. I you know, talk about feeling like you you're in the moment. I guess that day for me was was that where I was very relaxed and very very calm. Um, it's funny, someone the night before, the, or the, the week before in that period, because um, I used to always, I said earlier, really struggle with nerves. And someone said that like, visualisation is a really powerful thing. And I remember someone said to me that week, write, write down 100 times what you're going to see the next day. And I sort of said, well, what does that mean? I said, so write down what you're going to sort of, what you think you're going to see um, leading up to the first bounce of the grand final. So I actually did a sat in my bed in the hotel room and, I wrote down a hundred things that from when I woke up in the morning to the first bounce, what I'd experienced, I guess, um, the two years prior. And, um, and, and I remember like, it was, it sounds ridiculous, a hundred things. And I remember getting to 60 or 70 thinking, oh, I'm, run, I'm running <laughs> out of here, but, but it just really helped me relax and really calm. And, you know, little things like a police escort, you get to the game and obviously you turn up, there's a hive of activity. There's all the pregame entertainment and, and all that stuff. Once you sort of visualize it, you see it, it didn't, Because you want to hit the first bounce, not of, you know, burning nervous energy. And for me, that was around that. And I've just never been really calm the whole lead up and then throughout the whole game. And, um, yeah, for some reason, it was the first and only time I ever did it. But um, I was really (laughs) right. I should have done a bit more.
0: (laughs) Well... Like I said, the record speaks for itself. You know, you, you won your third grand final in a row. You won the Norm Smith. You picked up 39 possessions. So maybe there was something in it, Simon. Maybe you should have done it a bit more often. <laughs> I should have. Maybe I wasn't patient enough to sit down yeah. for an hour and do it every time. <laughs> um, in terms of the the following you guys had, I mean – extraordinary for any team to to you know to win even a back-to-back premiership we've we've seen the history book show that that's that's a pretty difficult thing to do you guys won three you played in a fourth um i suppose you were in a in a privileged position being part of a team that did that in a in a non-afl city did you see brisbane uh, as a, as a city and a community really embrace football finally during those years
1: Yeah, absolutely, Tim. It's amazing. We we are—they're a bit fickle, the Queenslanders. They jump on and they jump off pretty quick too. Um, But but it is a um, a uh, you know Brisbane Broncos rugby league town. It's massive here and the union. But throughout that era, we yeah, gee, we we sort of took the back page of the paper and the leading sports news on the on the in the news each most nights. And um, it was really really pivotal moment for the development of the the game up here in Queensland. And we obviously had the grand final here last year and, and a heap of. A heap of footy up here with the hubs, um, um, so the game is in great hands. The lines are doing strong now, but yeah, that that era back then, the, all the corporate boxes were were full, um, sell out crowds of thirty five, thirty seven thousand. I think the capacity of the Gabba was there is. Um, it was just um, great. It was, I mean, it probably was a, was an advantage for us in a lot of respects of you know keeping our feet on the ground. Yeah, we'd won it once and then won it twice, I guess, and. Having a crack for the third time—that not, not, not a lot of people in the streets really knew or you know, knew who we were. Mm. Um, so you, you you live a normal life in a lot of ways, which certainly I think has—it's you're not talking footy all the time, and it's not in your face all the time. Mm. That that's certainly is, uh, advantageous in a lot of regards. I, I would have thought so. Yeah. But yeah, to answer your question, Tim, it, it really exploded, and the Auskick numbers and the game has really flourished um, from that era and, and, and where we are today yep. as well.
0: Just before we head to a, another break, Simon Lee Matthews obviously a pivotal person in in your career a, on a personal level. How did you go with him? He's a he's a, another strong personality to say the very least, uh, isn't he? How did you personally go with Lee Matthews?
1: Yeah, look, he was. Um, no, now he stopped coaching. You 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 can't shut him up. He loves a chat. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, as a coach, he was he was. I think it's fair to say a little bit kind Of awkward to talk to at times, um, yeah. just an intense guy, which I guess you've kind of got to be in some respects. Um, but uh, yeah, just the, the amount of I guess life lessons, and he came from that John Kennedy, that um, um, um God, it's a bit mind block. The other great Alan Jeans, um, yeah, Alan Jeans here at, uh, at Hawthorne, he a great man and great mentor and so from the greats of our game. And he had a lot of those, I guess, similar traits. And it's a lot of one-liners that, that Lee um, stood by with his coaching philosophy mm-hmm. were, were life lessons. And I guess that came from Alan Jeans and, uh, and, and, and John Kennedy too. So uh, wonderful. And I mean, the big games, the big moments, having Lee Matthews in, in your corner in your coach's box just gave our group enormous confidence. And yep. I've got no doubt he was an amazing or massive reason why we had the success in that era. we did.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, just finally, again, <laughs> I kept promising we are going to go to a break. Um, in terms of your personal peak, I mean, we mentioned the Norm Smith in, in 2003. Um, I mentioned at the start of the show that you won three club uh, best and fairest, the, the Merritt Murray medal. Um You won your third in two thousand and six. I suppose if you, if as you look at someone's, um, you know the 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 trajectory of their career, um, you know two thousand and six. It's come a few years after your third of three premierships. Um, Was that almost a surprise to you that you were still able to to win a club best and fairest when you were getting you know towards the latter stages of your career?
1: Oh no! I mean, I was only I played for seven years after two thousand and six. Mm. Um, so, I, I, I mean, I was I was only I was like twenty seven maybe in in two thousand and six. So, I, in some respects, I guess I was in, in the peak of my physical capability. Mm. Um, and and guys like myself and Luke Power and Jonathan Brown, our, our Premiership era was um, we were really young men, really young men in that in that side. So, um, I, you know, you, you often hear I mean, but, you know Shane Crawford, he he won his in his last year, didn't he? And, and that's and true. Some guys win it late in their career, and I, I was lucky to win mine early. In some respects, you wouldn't mind winning it later in your career too, on the way out. But um, but yeah, to 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 um, ask your question. Yeah, I guess I was yeah, I, I was twenty seven in two thousand six, yeah. and um, I, I I
0: that's yeah. remiss of me to to forget how young you were when you were when you won your premierships, I suppose. Um, yeah, so no, you're quite right. You're, you're right in the in the sweet spot there. Um, Simon, we need to take another break, but after that, I want to ask you what on earth compelled you to sign up for Australian Survivor? <laughs> Let's do it, yeah. <laughs> if you've <laughs> got, even got an answer for that yet. <laughs> this is Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. We'll be back with more right after this.
2: You're listening to Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything. Inspiring Stories for Bower and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
0: Welcome back to Inspiring Stories. Simon Black is our special guest. Uh, Simon, let's just uh, finish off uh, our reflections on your uh, career. 322 games. Uh, As I mentioned um, at the the start of the program, your your list of accolades puts you in uh, almost peerless company there. Um, At the end of those 322, every single one of them at the one club, when did you know it was time? 322 was enough. You were done.
1: Yeah, Tim, I wanted to play one more year and I had to clean up knee surgery and uh, my right knee, And the, the surgeon um, after I woke up came in and said, Simon, he said, look, to be honest, there's a lot more going on in your knee that, than we, than the MRI scan suggested. Um, if you want to be active in your 40s and 50s, then football's no longer for you. So it was pretty blunt um, and I, I kind of knew when he, as soon as it came in, out of his mouth, that I had to retire. Um, Mind, it would have been more difficult I was playing for Hawthorne at the time. I was flying, Tim, but <laughs> <laughs> us lions were struggling. But, yeah, look, in all seriousness, it was the decision I had to make right there. And then it took me a few weeks to, I guess, get my head around it and, um, and announce it. But, yeah, that was uh, that was the time. And I had a, such a great run. My body was so good to me. And um, I was very fortunate. And that was the the right time.
0: Yeah. And the, the club was so super keen to have you still... There at the club in a coaching capacity was was that a, an easy transition for you to make?
1: Yeah, it was probably a soft trans- transition, wasn't it? Going from playing to coaching to the same club, and um, I really enjoyed it. We, we were very young and had a lot of injuries, and um, Leppa, the coach, Justin Lepic, had a, an uphill battle to sort of make us competitive at the time. But um, yeah, it was it was enjoyable, um, but. Um, I, uh, I had, had my own business, which was taking a fair bit of time and um, sort of put my name to it. So that was what I had to sort of step out and, and, and put my time and energy into.
0: Yeah. Well, tell us about the, the Simon Black Academy. Uh, how did that start yeah. and, and what do you hope to achieve with it?
1: It's an education and football program. we have partnered with Torrens University and um to a Bachelor of Business in Sports Management or a Diploma in Sports Development. Um, and the morning, the aim part of the day is our football and athletics program, and the afternoons, the, ac- um, the academic side. So we've got a program here in, in Perth at, based at Murdoch University. And um, Gary O'Donnell, our former or the former Essendon uh, player and captain, is the coach and mentor there, along with Kelly Gibson, the AFLW Eagles player. Um, so, yeah, look, it's, a, it's, it's, I guess, it's around mentoring and guiding um, young males and females straight out of school it's for school leader age bracket and it's around trying to help um, guide them giving them a bit of direction and a bit of purpose in their lives with, a, with an academic course um, attached to it as well
0: yeah brilliant and and tell us about um you know being a coach part of the the coaching setup uh, at brisbane I mean, how have you found it? Obviously, you haven't been able to uh, rediscover the, the incredible success that you had as a player uh, in the early 2000s, but, um, you know, different kinds of rewards that come with uh, being part of the the coaching team. How do you how do you reflect on that?
1: Yeah, look, uh, you've only got a certain capability as a group, haven't you? And sometimes that might be winning a premiership and other times it might be finishing eighth or even tenth, you know, sort of thing. So it's about trying to, Get each individual fulfilling their their capability at, at any time of their journey of their footy journey. So, uh, look, I've really enjoyed working with with young young players, whether it's AFL level or in my academy program. But yeah, the Lions, it's been nice to see their development and see them come on and be really competitive now. And hopefully, they're at the next at the stage of taking the next step and and making a grand final this year. But um, yeah, it's been it's been a real nice thing, I guess, to be able to try to impart you a little bit of. Knowledge from the game onto to younger players and and sort of make help make them um, you know better footballers.
0: Um, last year, you were welcomed into the AFL Hall of Fame. Uh, as as moments of pride go, um, how does that one rank?
1: Yeah, I guess it's a, it's, it's probably the the biggest um, award I've I've had at the culmination of your career to to look back a few years after it and and be uh, inducted to in the Hall of Fame. It's, yeah, it's obviously pretty special, um, something I never never expected. Uh, I would have been ha- happy to play a few games for Brisbane when I got drafted and, and going back and played freshman on the waffle. Really, I, I thought that's probably what would have happened. But, um, yeah, it's amazing if you commit yourself and work reasonably hard that you can, you know, can, yeah, have a bit of fortune on the way. So, look, it's, yeah, it's, I played in a great team for a few years. So I was lucky to get a few individual awards on the way and um, that probably helps with all that sort of thing. But, uh no, look it's it's great mate it's it's a, it's a
0: great great honor obviously um and and I have to say that you were initially earmarked for um for the Hall of Fame in in 2019 but that was that was put off for 12 months because uh, you were away at the time filming a reality TV show uh, Australian Survivor <laughs> um, how did that invitation come about and and why on earth did you accept it
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah so Oh look! The first thing I will say—it's one of the best things I've ever done. And yeah, it was an right. Amazing experience. Uh, yeah, it was—it was incredible. Um, it came through my brother's wife's side of the family. Um, um, a connection there as a casting agent for Mel Shine, the production company for Survivor. And um, and look, yeah, I I got asked or asked to meet the producers in Sydney and. Had always been a fan of, of Survivor and, I mean, in fact, that, that, the, the theme I did was Champions versus Contenders and that same theme was the year before. And I remember sitting on the couch and my wife said, if they ever asked you, would you do it? And I, I said, yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> and I am <was> <laughs> like, oh. God, she obviously didn't manage now. to talk so, you out of it then. Yeah, well, she wasn't thrilled that I was away for eight weeks and three kids at home, but, um, <laughs> but nah, look, it was, it was an amazing experience. It, it, is, it is what you sort of see on TV in terms of they only give you rations of rice and beans. Uh, you sleep under the shelter that you build. Um, you know, it, it, is, it is it is physically challenging. I lost nine kilos in the 42 days I was in the game, and I learned so much about myself. As, yeah. as a footballer, you're pretty well pampered with nutrition and sleep and rest, but out there you don't get great sleep and you certainly don't get a whole lot of food. So it was a – and also just to be able to participate in the challenges. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I got blindsided and <laughs> kicked out of the game, I was most disappointed about not being able to participate in the challenges that, yeah. were, uh, that were that were still in the game. But uh, what yeah, about all the, amazing experience. the
0: lying and the deceit and the alliances and the backstabbing? How did you go with all of that?
1: Yeah, well, you become a part of your environment. Um, yeah. I I've always thought I'd try and play it, you know, sort of you do what you say you're going to do to build trust and, you know, and things. But at some point, you've got to, you know, that, that only gets you so far. And um, in, in hindsight, I should have had it been a rat with a gold tooth. <laughs> <laughs> a deal in the game, I think, because it <laughs> probably cost me in the end. But um, but no, nah, look, it's yeah. That, that's, you become a part of your environment and you learn to sort of tap dance, and it's all a numbers game, right? So you yep. just got to try to, especially can be in the numbers. And um, but it was a, it was an incredible experience. Just uh, and I often say as well, just not having technology, not having a mobile phone on you for mm. for um, for six weeks is a real treat and swimming in the itself. ocean every day. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it, it was just it was amazing.
0: Simon, we are out of time, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, Thankfully, uh, you didn't get blindsided by your own teammates when you were uh, actually playing for real uh, on the footy field at the Brisbane Lions. Um, Can I just say again, congratulations on a phenomenal career. Uh, 322 games, as I mentioned, uh, Norm Smith, Brownlow medal, triple premierships, three best and fairest, the list goes on and on. Uh, And thank you so much for sharing your story with us uh, on the program. We appreciate it
1: oh thanks Tim it's been really nice to chat mate appreciate it
0: and uh, please come back to WA sometime soon <laughs> I'm sure both <laughs> yeah, clubs have f- welcome you
1: <laughs> we'll, put <a> bit of- <laughs> we'll put a bit of work in with my bloody Queenslander wife
0: don't yeah, I <laughs> we'll leave it with you <laughs> you've been listening to inspiring yeah. stories here on 882 6PR don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything we we'll look forward to you joining us again next time as we unearth another inspiring story
2: You're listening to inspiring stories for Bowra and O'Day. Don't miss out on the little moments because the little things are everything.
1: Stuff for your face and body? It's men's skincare with a purpose. Top quality Aussie made grooming and skincare to help guys look and feel great with no hassles. Plus, stuff
2: is helping mental health too. Find stuff at Woolworths or visit websiteofstuff.com.